1: Today's episode is from our archives from four years ago in our first in-season series for coaching coordinator. And Mike Emmendorfer, head football coach at Wisconsin-Platteville, joined me to talk about some of the things that they do in-season. Since he joined us on the podcast, he was inducted into the Wisconsin Football Coaches Hall of Fame in 2019, and he continues to do a great job for the Pioneers. So here's our episode with Coach Mike Emmendorfer. Our guest today is head football coach at University of Wisconsin-Platteville, Mike Emmendorfer. Mike Emmendorfer has spent 19 seasons now at the helm of Wisconsin-Platteville, and he really has become known for what he does on the field with his offense, uh, really breaking the record books at Platteville and uh, being on the tops of college football as far as his team performing on offense. Uh, coach, we uh, appreciate you taking the time during the season, to join us again on the podcast.
0: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the great game of football, Keith, and, and everything you do to promote it.
1: Coach, let's uh, focus a little bit on some of the things you do during the season. To add some wrinkles, you've you've been known for your creativity and uh, throwing some crazy formations and, and different things out there. What's your approach for looking for those opportunities in a game plan to uh, to add a wrinkle or two?
0: Well, you know, I think it's twofold. Uh, when you add a wrinkle, you're thinking about the upcoming game, and that's the most important game. But also you're thinking down the road of what things you want to put on film for future opponents uh, for them to prepare for. So uh, it's twofold uh, where we might add a wrinkle or formation that we think will give us the advantage uh, in numbers or leverage or in personnel could be an unbalanced. It could be trips into the boundary, quads, whatever might be the case. Uh, but it's also with the thought process, you know, how is this going to affect future opponents uh, while they're scouting us? You know, how much preparation will they have to take to prepare for this new wrinkle?
1: Oftentimes, I know uh, when I've looked at those things as an offensive coordinator, those things were on the shelf for a while. We were preparing them for maybe a week or two or even – Later in the season, how do you start to get those though into your mental process? As far as hey, you know what, right now is a good time to get this into the game, get it on film.
0: You know, I I think we all go into the season with a general plan, a basic formation. But uh, as we get into the season, you know, your personnel will dictate what you're capable of doing and expanding. You know, certain years you might be more no back if you're a ten personnel because you might have a quarterback that's better fitted for a no back set. You know, or You know, we have an H-back formation, a tight end type of thing, and we might have a personnel. So it sort of dictates on your personnel, you know, as you go through the season, what they feel most confident with, especially at the quarterback position. You know, we're going to find out what he feels uh, most comfortable with uh, versus what I feel is finding out what I think our quarterback can execute and understand and um, be able to uh, deliver and deliver on positive outcomes with with, uh, the creativity portion of it
1: how much of that that creativity is sparked by you know watching opponent film and maybe seeing something that uh, someone else did and finding a way to fit that into you know a wrinkle or something you can do to adjust your offense
0: well I'm always intrigued and and, you know as coaches let's you know some are not willing to admit this but we all copy and paste we all take ideas now you might take a a certain formation and then apply it into your own method uh, of attacking. And, but, you know, a lot of it is, you know, watching game film, you might see something on a Saturday night when Alabama's playing against Clemson or something like that, or you're watching your future opponents and, you know, you see uh, what they're doing with certain formations and are having success. So, you know, yeah, I think that we all will take bits and pieces, but you've got to stay true to your basic, Formate your basic core principles as an offense. So, you know, as we take new ideas, I found out over the years, you know, we every Sunday, you know, we'll have a list, me and the offense coordinator, of six or seven different ideas. But the reality is, we're going to pick two and identify those two because it's too hard to teach new concepts, new plays. A lot, a lot of coaches are failed in that area of trying to teach too much on a Tuesday and Wednesday, and then you get into game time and you realize you're going to go back to your bread-and-butter stuff and and, uh, focus on those things. But we're going to have one or two new wrinkles each and every game.
1: Obviously, and I'm glad you brought it up, the teaching time for the players, both in the classroom and then the repetitions on the field, are important to get some of these things to work. How do you weigh that that, uh, cost-benefit ratio of adding something to your attack?
0: Well, when we're adding something is it comparable to something else that we're already doing? You know, is it similar read for the quarterback, similar route combination? It might be a tag on a backside route combination, but the front side staying the same, so it's only half the play. And while teaching it, especially if it's a passing scheme, you know, is it a high-low read concept? Is it a triangle reads concept? Is it a, a isolation read concept? You know, we try to identify that uh, and understand that it's very similar to say our flat curl concept and uh, though we're changing people around it's a very similar read for the quarterback so you know it's not going to require that much time but if it's a whole new concept with a whole new read progression which I've made this mistake thinking I can teach it you know we find out that you know that quarterback might only get five or ten reps uh, throughout the week you know, he's not prepared for a game-like situation. And so, you know, we try to make sure that when we add something new, creative, uh, that it relate to, relates to something that we currently are doing.
1: Coach, as we, we take some of those things into the game, I know a lot of guys prepare an opening script. What's your method for um, beginning a game to start to flesh out the game plan and see how the opponent is matching up to what you've previously seen on film?
0: Well, you know, we, uh, I'm not a big believer in scripting in practice. Uh, we've talked about this a couple months ago on another podcast, but mm-hmm. in the game we'll go in with the idea of a, of a certain formation or two and we want to see how they're going to defend certain formations. And really the first quarter is all about feeling out your opponent. You know, Then second quarter is getting rhythm, and, and third quarter is making certain adjustments, and the fourth quarter is really uh, situational football. But really the first quarter is just feeling out your opponent and seeing what – they have planned for certain formations so then you can figure out where you have the best matchups and really it comes down to that uh, the best matchups you know one-on-one situations where you feel you have the advantage
1: Um, obviously you know getting all the information as a a play caller um, is important it's it's something that maybe as coaches we don't practice enough especially as as staffs evolve or change or personnel change, um, what's how do you break up your game day communication and what are some of the key things that you want your coordinators on either side of the ball um, to get as far as information in order to be able to make um, both timely and, and proper decisions?
0: I think that uh, any coach that's gone through the journey of play calling will, will tell you this, that there are certain games that you see the field and you're in rhythm. And you just see it, and you're able to make adjustments, and and everything is clicking. Then there's certain games, you're just not seeing it, you know, for whatever reason. You know, you're not feeling it, you're not seeing it. So, you know, in our system, I have a a great offensive coordinator, and he and I will go back and forth play calling. And, you know, that's something I really believe in, and I even – do that defensively as well is that if you're out of sync if i'm out of sync and i'm the one playing calls i'm going to turn to ryan and saying hey you got the next series i'm going to stand back and and get a better feel for things i'm just not feeling it and i'm going to watch and you know so we have a dual play calling system it's not typical you're saying who's calling who i I guess as a head coach i can always step in and, and make that decision and saying okay i'm seeing it better but i have also learned to drop my ego where my offense coordinator is seeing the field better and he's making better adjustments than I would, then, you know, he's going to take over for a series or two or three or four um, because he's, he's more in sync with what they're doing than I am. And some games I am, and sometimes uh, Ryan Munzes. is. And so it just depends on uh, the game and, and um, the flow of the game.
1: And obviously, play calling is, much, is as much of an art as it is a, a science. You know, When you look at, you know over the years, you, making those adjustments, do you feel like it's, it's easier for you to say, okay, I've got to maybe switch some things up in my thought process as a play caller versus, hey, I need to get these guys together on the sideline and, and uh, maybe draw up some adjustments for them to make on the field. What, what do you feel is the best approach to you know, keeping things in rhythm and making those in-game adjustments?
0: Well, I I think you can't go in stubborn. You know, we go in with certain game plans feeling that this formation is going to work along with this package of plays. But, you know, for whatever reason, we didn't teach it well enough. Uh, We've had some errors or they have a better matchup. And, you know, we feel we're we're outnumbering them and we can't, you know, have success with, with our bubble screen game. I'm just using it as an example. When we can't block that same backer, you know, we're not going to be stubborn with it. You know, we're going to move on to something else and find other ways or move it away from him. That seems to be, you know, his guy. That their guy is better than our guy in that position, and we just didn't anticipate that in our film breakdown. Um, so you, you know, I sometimes I, I've erred in that fact where I've been so stubborn as a young coach, where you know this should work, we game plan it, and it's not working. You know, we'll we'll, we'll worry about that on Sunday. Right now, we've got to make an adjustment and find something that does work.
1: Coach, when you're you're looking at those things um, after the game, and, and you've obviously you want to have enough tools in your toolbox coming into every game, do you find that uh, there's a certain amount of, of uh, overage you're looking for? You know, Brian Billick obviously talked about the, the importance of keeping your your game plan within some constraints because you know whether you script practice or not, there's limited reps available. What uh, what have you found to be a helpful in looking at that, you know, both post game and then going into, you know, the next week.
0: You know, we call it our dirty dozen, you know, we have a, a series of 12 plays that it's our bread and butter. And I found out that in crucial situations, uh, especially if it's the defense is confusing us, we're going to simplify things and go back to our basics and our game plan. And, you know, we might have these exotic plays and with all these tags and everything like that, but sometimes just calling for vertical, or a simple smash route is your best option, you know, and and I think coaches, we we try to be too creative at times, and I'm speaking to myself in this sense is that I'm always looking, you know, to add a tag and, and make this adjustment. And sometimes it's just let's be simple. And, you know, the smash route concept is a great concept. We've drilled it from day one. Our quarterbacks understand the read, you know, let's stay with the smash concept versus trying to add some tags off it to screw over the defense, really what's happened is it's, it's confused us. I, I think that as you could build your game plan, you know, uh, understand what you've done from the spring and throughout summer camp, and those basic routes, those basic concepts, has received majority of the attention in 7-on-7 seven seven and team period. And you got to go back to those things and uh, have confidence in your base stuff.
1: And we mentioned, you know, adjusting things week to week as the season goes on. And especially as we get into the second half of the season, what types of changes are are you making in practice to, um, you know, maybe th- make things a little bit more mental, keep guys sharp, uh, you know, not grind them down. I mean, certainly, you know, as the weeks go on, we want to preserve their 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 bodies and, and have them fresh on game day. Um, what types of things do you look to do that maybe are a little bit different than what you've done in the beginning of the season in terms of practice?
0: Well, I think we reduced as uh, so I've gotten older in my experience. Uh, I believe in the energy level, and, and I want practice to feel like it's a reward, not a punishment. And I believe in more quality. And so instead of running a play 20 times at a fast paced tempo, let's get five or 10 at high quality. And, you know, I think that we get caught up in the number of times we run that play in practice versus the quality of it. So we look at the quality part of it. And, you know, if our practice uh, needs to be an hour and 40 minutes, hour and 45 minutes, but we feel the quality of the reps are there, then, you know, I feel good going into that week. Um, You know, so I don't need a magic number of saying we've got to rep this out 40 times. I, I worry more about the quality of the reps and creating um, situation competition drills, um, breaking it down where we feel like the quarterback and, and the receivers and the offensive line and running backs have been presented the best scenario that they're going to see on Saturday.
1: You mentioned, you know, the situational drills, the competition. What types of things do you do to to really bring? that thought process, especially situationally, um, into the players' minds as, as you're, you're repping these things out during practice?
0: Well, we always have in our team period and different competition drills, we bring uh, the chains out so they can see the first down. Um, so we're going to actually move the ball and put them in situations on third and one to second and eight to third and 15, and they can actually see it uh, with the sticks. Uh, so we use that, you know, we've been using that for the last seven or eight years and, and that visual part of it where they can see that, that they need third and eight to get the first down. So that receiver knows that if he's running a comeback, he has to push up to nine or 10 and, and catch the ball or whatever might be the concept. So, situational drills, but also using the sticks, you know, we'll go second and eight is one of my favorite drills uh, with the offense where you got two plays to get a first down and we don't know how third down is going to, after the second eight against our scout team or our number one defense depends on what we're doing in practice. We don't know what the result is going to be in and we're going to have to figure that out on the run. You know, if it's third and three or third and 10 and be able to make those decisions. And obviously we're going to cover uh red zone situation throughout the week coming out and just try to prepare our players as much as possible. I think a good indicator of a good offense is how many drives that you have over 60 yards, you know, throughout the course of the season and throughout the game. And and to me, if you're having drives over 60 yards, that means your players are executing, you're staying away from penalties. There's a good rhythm and play calling. To me, that's a good indication of, of a well-oiled offensive machine is, those drives over 60 yards.
1: Are there a certain amount of, of drives over 60 yards a game that you're, you're looking for as a target number?
0: Yeah. Anything I, I think in the past, I think most teams are looking at somewhere having at least uh, in a 10 game season, we're looking to have at least two uh, good years. We're going to have three a game um, over 60 yards because the percentages are very low that you're going to drive the ball 70 yards. You know, we've had games where, you know, obviously we scored a lot of points and some games we haven't, but uh You know, I look at it that if you're somewhere between 20 and 25 in the season, that's good. We were over 30 last year, which was a a very efficient offensive uh, output, I think, when you can have over 30 drives, over 60 yards.
1: Coach, this is some great information on, uh, you know, offense and how to approach some of these things as we go through the course of the season. Uh, But looking at everything you do, what would you say is is the you know you've spent all the the preseason and you know you're into the season now what would you say is the one thing you guys do in season that gives your team the winning edge
0: you know i i think uh for us uh we've changed our philosophy is that um uh we we stay away from contact you know our running backs are not getting hit our dbs our linebackers are not tackling we stay fresh so i think that's the winning edge and you know i know there's different philosophies out there but you know, I, I know as a head coach, I'm a lot better when I'm playing my best players on Saturday. And though you might think you're going in the game on Saturday with your best players, but if they ding their shoulder on Wednesday's practice because you're doing a live inside run period, you know he's going to overcompensate for that ding shoulder, that linebacker, or that receiver. So I think for us, it's it's our approach to practice that uh, we're going to have no live contact at all, and especially in today's world with concussions. We prevent that at all costs. And, and I think that that's the winning edge is that our players, as well as the shorter down practices, uh, you know, we're going an hour and 45 minutes, but a high efficiency, up tempo type of thing, uh, those are some of the things that I think it uh, helps us, giving us sort of an edge in winning.
1: Well, coach, I uh, see so great, you...
0: play, great players. Let me say this <laughs> if, if you're a coach, it's winning football games out there it's not that you know schemes are important it it, you're winning because you have great players and we've won a lot of games the last six to seven years here because we've had very very good football players
1: well you certainly put them in the right positions to do the things that they can do coach and uh i appreciate you sharing all you did today on today's podcast and taking time during the season and it's always great to talk football with you thanks keith thank you again for listening to the coaching coordinator podcast We have new episodes for you three times a week on Monday. I go through my adjustments and things that I saw over the course of the weekend. Tuesday, we're joined by Coach Noel Mazzoni, and Coach and I talk about some of the things that are trending as well as some ideas and how you can implement those with your team. And then the other live one is a weekend episode that I air on Saturdays, and it has something again to do with things in season, things you can do right now that will benefit your team. We also pull out two podcasts from our archives from year one. In year one, we were growing. Not a lot of you were listening then. So some great content that you probably haven't gotten back to. We want to put right in front of you right now, things that are important in season. So thank you again for listening. Continue to follow us and what we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.